Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris Nicolini Chaus, welcoming you back to another episode as we continue down the path of evaluating every team per division until the start of the regular season, which is coming shortly. We are roughly three weeks away, just under three weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Can't wait. Everyone is getting excited. I am getting extremely excited, and I can't wait for this to uh, to happen. It's uh, It's been a long wait. We didn't know if it was going to happen with COVID and everything, but it looks like we're ready to go. Um, a couple notes, side notes that has happened with the recent breaking news. We saw today that a lot of players had tested positive for COVID-19, and there was some discrepancy because I believe the league office had mentioned um, since the beginning of camp, which has been a few weeks uh, steady already, uh, the, the COVID positive test rate has been less than 1%. Um, which is fairly low, obviously. And and today or yesterday, they had a positive test, I believe, of six teams having more than 10 players testing positive. Um, it, they went back to a laboratory in New Jersey where uh, it, it found that the tests were actually false positives. Um, kind of interesting. I didn't really understand how a test could become false positive, but clearly it is uh, uh, due to this lab uh, doing their tests uh, inaccurately. Um, uh, normally, whenever you see a, a positive test, you would believe that uh, there would be something inside someone's body that would uh, have any remnants of something positive if they had a virus. Um, so that's where the confusion came from with from me. Um, however, uh, all looks good. All the players that did get tested, at least most of them that I saw uh, on the newswire, uh, were cleared of, of any COVID, um, and they will be returning to practice shortly. So that's a great positive as well. Um, when we dive into some of the recent news that we did see, the big one was Earl Thomas getting released by the Baltimore Ravens because of a conflict he had on the field with a teammate on a blown coverage. He lost his lid uh, and apparently divided the locker room. Most of the players wanted him out, and the Ravens uh, abided. Uh, the upper management had uh, the same opinion, saying that we need to go with culture over having a superstar talent like Earl Thomas on the club, and uh, he was uh, then released. Uh, the Ravens are releasing him under the conduct detrimental to the team so that they can actually recoup some of his bonus money, if not all of it. I know that Earl Thomas and his camp are going to be filing a grievance with the NFLPA to try to keep his funds, um, but we'll see how that transpires. On the, on the flip side of that, we already see teams interested in signing Thomas, obviously, because his skill set is still there. I mean, uh, is he what he was back in Seattle? Probably not, but he still has more than enough in the tank to play that position on a defense that requires that type of skill and and uplift a defense uh, to that degree. So uh, that is the big ones that we noticed on the newswire um, outside of players. Uh, we see a lot of uh, soft tissue injuries happening. We saw Lamar Jackson go down with soft tissue. Um, Tyreek Hills dealing with something of the similar notion. Um, uh, a few other players, Miles Sanders, I believe I saw. He's week to week with some soft tissue injuries as well. So, I mean, uh, this is to be expected. I mean, this is training camp uh, light, uh, how as, as we could say it, because, I mean, uh, we didn't have an entire offseason of OTAs and full training camp starting back in July. So um, uh, yeah, this is to be expected. How it's going to carry over into the season, we don't know. Uh, and, and for all my fantasy players out there, this is what we have to take stock of. I mean, we have to definitely keep an eye on the injuries uh, more often than or more than previous seasons um, and then on top of that we got to keep the COVID thing uh, in our in our eyes as well just in case these players uh, do get COVID for fantasy football you will have to look elsewhere probably for one or two contests but nevertheless this show is obviously about the AFC West we have covered the rest of the AFC this will close out the conference and we have a 
glorious show uh, when it comes to this uh, this division. I am excited about it. I think there is a lot of uh, growth in this division. I mean, yes, we do have the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, looking like they will again dominate the group. But we do have the up-and-comers. We have the Denver Broncos, whom we are extremely excited about, not only for just regular play, but for fantasy football. We have the Las Vegas Raiders now also coming up and looking very sharp. So I am excited about them. The Chargers, I'll dive into them because I have my thoughts on them, but they are also still a club that can can do some damage. They got lots of talent on both sides of the ball. So let's start it off. Let's kick it off with the Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, why not? And obviously, we're going to kick it off with Patrick Mahomes. Everyone knows that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. And I mean, nothing's changed. The The Kansas City Chiefs, they did uh, reward him with that Super Bowl victory with a massive contract. We saw that. I believe it was, what, 10 years over $500 million. Um, uh, that is just an enormous contract, a massive deal to keep him as a Chief for his, uh, basically for his career. I mean, depending on how long he plays. But I mean, there's nothing this man can't do. We've seen it on the field. He's, he's side-arming. He's jump-throwing. He's uh, no-look passes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is legitimately uh, an elite talent uh, without question. How far he can grow, I mean, I still think the ceiling hasn't been met. And when you when you look at his interviews and when you see what Patrick Mahomes has been saying where, where he actually really didn't understand how to read a defense properly until about, what, halfway through or the end of his rookie season. And, and that, to me, is just baffling. How a guy, obviously, if you have that much skill... You can you can allow uh, the skill to dictate terms, but once you learn what the game actually is, how to find the holes in the systems, now that makes you even more valuable to this offense. makes you makes your pedigree of that elite talent raise up that much more. I mean, what else can we say about Patrick Mahomes? He he has a, a long resume of glorious statistics on there already, and what he's entering what is his third season in the NFL. Um, this is just unbelievable what we were able to witness from Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, with his contract already in the rear view now, nothing else to worry about but football. I mean, this offense is still very, very stacked. Uh, when you look at it on paper, it, it's it's hard to argue the fact that they aren't going to be the top dog in this division. We'll start with the wide receivers. We have Tyreek Hill. We have Sammy Watkins. We still have Demarcus Robinson, and we have McCole Hardman. Obviously, you still had other guys that, that were able to produce last season due to injuries. But I'm really liking this receiving core. I mean, Sammy Watkins, to me, I was always a Sammy fan. Um, yes, that does have some Bills Mafia. My my fandom uh, does, does leave me to still have feelings in the way that I'm going to support Sammy Watkins. But, I mean, I'm starting to dip a little bit lower. Only because the injury problems have been the reason why the sour taste in my mouth for Sammy continues to be there. Um, he did prove well in the playoffs last season. He did elevate his game to the levels that we believed he could be. Um, we did witness his game in Buffalo uh, 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 to the point where we knew his talent was there. Um, but I, I wonder and I question whether or not the heart is there for Sammy all the time. That's the only thing. Is he still a reliable second target to uh, Tyreek uh Tyreek Hill, yes, he is. Absolutely, he is. Um, injuries, if they do play a toll, I believe he has lost some time in training camp as well. My money is on McCole Hardman being the guy to take that role from him. Um, he is the next up-and-coming star. I really, truly believe in this offense. Tyreek Hill is a jet. He will beat anybody on the field. And McCole Hardman is exactly the same. If Hardman can increase his ability in not dropping the football, running his routes more precisely, and finding the open lanes on the zone, I truly believe that McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill will be a tandem that will be nearly impossible to stop simply because of the speed. If the characteristics in their overall game can improve to that next level, this is something extremely scary for opposing defenses. 
you know. And then if you put Sammy Watkins in that in that third spot, maybe maybe that's your your way to go. Um, I don't know. Maybe pushing Sammy to the slot more often than not is. Also another scenario that could help this offense continue to grow further. But then you got Travis Kelsey, so we'll jump into his his game. Travis Kelsey still, to me, is one of the best, if not the best, tight end in the NFL. I know the George Kittle talk is there. Everyone is saying that Kittle is better simply because of the youth. There isn't as many miles on him. I'm still a Travis Kelsey guy. I still believe the full package is here. He can block. He can catch. He's quick enough to get open. He can still beat the safeties and the linebackers. I mean, we've seen coverage with defensive backs on him, and he's still getting open. So, I mean, when you're looking at the pass catchers, you have Tyreek Hill, number one. You have Travis Kelsey, number two. And then pick your poison. You got Sammy Watkins. You got McCole Hardman. And then maybe Demarcus Robinson still steps in and has a, has a decent role. But he's going to be... Uh, more of a depth role uh, this season uh, again, just like he was last season. But I know everyone wants to discuss the offensive line or the running backs, excuse me, but I'll jump into the offensive line first. So, I mean, this line did lose uh, Duvernay Tardif, uh, the the offensive guard, one of the better guards in the NFL. He is uh, opting out. He opted out a while ago um, to, to stay on the battle and fight the COVID-19 pandemic because I believe he is a MD student, and, and that was his choice. So they did lose out in that regard, but they still have a very solid offensive line. I mean, there's no question about it. Michael Schwartz is there. I I mean, you still have Eric Fisher. I mean, the bookends are steady. I really don't feel like this line is going to be that worse off for wear. I think the loss of uh, Duvernay Tardif is is a big deal. It's noticeable, and it will be noticeable. Um, but I, I think that there's enough uh, here um, that they will be able to uh, suffice any kind of pressure that comes towards Patrick Mahomes. So now, uh, without further ado, we will jump into the running back room for the Kansas City Chiefs. We did notice another opt-out was Damian Williams. He chose to opt-out from the NFL season due to COVID-19 and his choice, and 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 we got to respect that. I mean, this is what it is. I was never a huge Damian Williams guy anyway. I mean, nobody knew his name when he was in Miami. I knew who he was. I wasn't overly impressed. He comes over to Kansas City, and I get it, man. He's, he starts to play extremely well, but is this one of the situations that we have seen many times over where the system increases and dictates someone's talent? And I think that's what it was for Damian Williams. I think any running back that can come into this system with any amount of talent will be successful, and, and, and Damian definitely proved that. So he is no longer on this offense. And now all the chatter has been happening on Twitter, on social media, in the fantasy football community about rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So here's the thing. Everyone is on the boat on Clyde thinking he is going to be a revelation in this offense simply because he is playing with Patrick Mahomes. I can't argue it. I mean... I went back. I really did. I did a lot of tape study, film study on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I like the guy. I mean, I think he's got a lot of talent. He has a lot of talent, a lot of ability. The thing that everyone needs to understand, especially from the fantasy football community, is pump the brakes just a little bit. Here's why. Um, and, and, and my colleagues, they can defend this because our opinions are very alike in this situation when it comes to CEH. Clyde, he played on a absolutely phenomenal offense in LSU. Blew up, he had a great season, and, and his stock rose right through the ceiling. No question about it. That's okay. We can, we, can, we can also look at that and say, that's fine. No argument. So when I dove into his tape, the way that I viewed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, Coach Andy Reid said it reminded him of one of his, uh, uh, Brian Westbrook, I believe, is the, is the comp that he gave him. He, he reminds me of Brian Westbrook, who, where he can catch, he can run the ball, he's, he's multi-versatile, and he can be used in any uh, facet in our offense. I don't buy that. I mean, I think that he will be able to be used all over the field, but my comp was uh, for him was Doug Martin, but a better pass catching back than Doug Martin. He is a smaller back. I mean, he is very fast. He's very quick over fast. Um, um, that's the thing that I noticed a great deal in his tape. He will never burn uh, defenders, especially a safety who has four or five wheels. 
Uh, he he will never break that to the to the end zone that way. If he gets the blocks, sure he could make it, but he is very quick on his first step. He will find those holes and he will make guys miss. He does have that second gear though, so that is where the breakaway speed on slower safeties and slower linebackers could come into play but he is very much able to be caught from behind so that is once uh one thing that i did notice about ceh he does have fantastic balance great vision and he's got a fabulous shake for a guy his size he's very thick and but he's very short and to see a guy shake defenders the way he does it actually is very impressive he has world-class sidestep and what makes him so versatile is that he is a very sound pass catching back the thing that I liked about Clyde Edwards Hilaire the most was the fact that he didn't have a huge workload at LSU. It was basically the final season that he made all his money, and, and that's where scouts saw everything uh, that they liked. Do I believe he is a three-down back? I would have to say no, only because... Um, how this offense is going to run. I really believe Andy Reid likes to mix it up. Do I believe Edwards Hilaire will have a big role? Yes, I think he will, but I think it'll start off slow. So fantasy football community, if you hear me out, if you use a first round pick on this running back, I think you will regret it for at least the first four weeks, at least it could stretch into the first six weeks, depending on how the offense goes. He is a rookie. We had no preseason. We had no training camp. His first NFL touches are going to be in week one. How can we trust this? Because we've never seen it. I mean, we have to see the proof in the pudding, the proof in the product. It has to be on the field. And like I said, myself and my colleagues, we are all of the same opinion when it comes to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, you can find greater value of guys we know that can do it a lot better uh, at this point. I mean, are we saying that we do? I, am I saying that I don't like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? No, I, I like the kid. I think he's got a lot of talent. He probably will be a very successful running back in this league. But again, here comes the point. The same reason why people were pushing Damian Williams. Damian Williams is a top back in this league, blah, blah, blah. Only because he was playing with Patrick Mahomes and on this loaded Kansas City Chiefs offense. So pump the brakes just a little bit on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because, I mean, you will see a rough patch, a rough start. Will he pick it up as the season goes on, especially if the Chiefs are winning? Yes, he will. So if you want to you wanna trade for Clyde when the season starts to get about to the midway point or when he has that one bad game, that's when I would jump all over Clyde and, and, and get a, a, a trade working in that department. As for the depth in the running back room, this is where I can say um, – it is kind of a toss-up because we don't have enough camp to say who is going to be number two, but DeAndre Washington, in my opinion, is the guy to watch out for. I really do. I know they have Derwin Thompson, who is decent, and they have uh, uh, Daryl Williams, who was there last season as well. I mean, he knows the playbook more than not, but DeAndre Washington is that other type of running back who did see a lot of work in uh, Oakland at the time, now Las Vegas. Um, and, and I think that he will be an extremely valuable piece in helping Clyde Edwards-Hilaire move forward. Um, DeAndre Washington, to me, can do it all as well. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. Is he that top end back? No. But in this offense, he could actually be better than what Damian Williams was. And I, and I truly believe that. So watch out for DeAndre Washington in this offense. Offense because I think if if the rookie Clyde Edwards Hilaire doesn't get off to a good start, I think you could see a lot of touches spell his way. We could even possibly see a three-man rotation between CEH, between Darwin Thompson, and then between uh, uh, DeAndre Washington. So, I mean, this offense is still very loaded, no question about it, and they will challenge uh, the best in the business this season on the offensive side of the ball. When it comes to the defense, so we had Chris Jones also sign that mammoth deal to stay with the Chiefs. We knew the Chiefs were extremely tight on their cap, on their salary cap. I think at one point they had $177 of free cap space. $177. I've never seen that before in my life. So they, with all this uh, navigating on their contract, on their salary cap, signing Patrick Mahomes, signing uh, uh, now Chris Jones to these big deals, actually lifted their cap. They had more free space this season to sign other players. They still have Alex Okafor on that line to go with Jones. They have Derek Nade and and I mean, they're, they're still a very good line. And, of course, we can't forget about Frank Clark. I mean, for uh, the former Seattle Seahawks. 
I, this this front front four is absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. I can't argue anything about them. I think they are a top notch unit, especially with Jones and Clark. I think those guys run this thing. They are the engine that moves the ship, and they will again be a force to be reckoned with. When it comes to the linebacking core. I mean, you still have very stout pieces. You do have the Anthony Hitchens. You have the Damian Wills, uh, Wilson, excuse me, and and they're very serviceable. Hitchens was very good last season. There's nothing we can say negative about his game at this point. He still continues to prove to be very reliable. But where my money is and where I'm going, and it is with another rookie on this defense now, it is with Willie Gay Jr. This guy, to me, I dove into his tape. And I was extremely impressed. I mean, he's got the wheels. He has the ability. He's he's an athletic uh, uh, type of uh, linebacker. He's totally the type of guy that you want on and leading your team. He is the six foot. I mean, that was six foot one. He, that was kind of the knock. They feel he's undersized, but he is two forty three. And I mean, he is he is very good. He runs a four point four seven. He is uh, one of my favorite linebackers to come out of this draft. Everything he did on tape, I just my eyes and my jaw were dropping. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see this. I think all Kansas City Chiefs fans need to know this guy's name because he will get playing time quicker, uh, sooner rather than later, I should say, and and he will make his presence known. I mean, so when you have Hitchens and you have uh, Willie Gay Jr., the rookie, I think you have now a great tandem approach at the linebacker position uh, to do a lot of damage. If I have to say there is a weakness on this defense, it will have to come from the defensive back position. Outside of Tyron Matthew, who is the leader, the unquestionable person that is going to lead this defense, the quarterback of this defense, there's no question, it is Tyron Matthew, the honey badger himself. He has shown me a lot. He has shown his maturity. He he, he became a true leader. He was under the tutelage of primetime, Deion Sanders. And it worked. It showed that he was able to remove all the negative uh, uh, perceptions, all the negative stuff that he was doing off the field. We haven't heard a boot about Tyron Matthew getting into any sort of trouble since Dion took him under his wing. He is still the unquestionable guy that is going to run this defense, and he is left alone on that defensive backcourt. He has basically nobody left. I mean, you got Traverius Ward, you have Juan Thornhill, you have Antonio Hamilton, and you have Richard Fenton. That's it. I mean, you you lost uh you lost some defensive backs. You lost Brashard Breland. You lost uh, I can't remember his name. His name evades me, but he left. He went to another squad as well. And uh, Kyle Fuller. There you go. And uh, uh, this this leaves massive holes on this secondary. Um, we saw last season at the beginning of the year. This is kind of where they were getting cooked early on. The Kansas City Chiefs defense was not even close to being prime when it came to the first eight weeks of the season. They started to pick up steam around week 9, around week 10, and that's what also helped them elevate to get to the Super Bowl. When Patrick Mahomes was lost for that knee injury, the defense did step up. We have to admit it, and and they played very, very well. Um, So for me, this is very clear that you're going to have to have your front seven be on point week in, week out. Um, because your DBs will have a very, very tough time guarding some of the best in the business. So your production in the sack department, the quarterback pressures are going to have to be paramount in what you do to force the issue. No questions about it. When it comes to the season outlook, I mean, it's very tough to say, um, but but if for my money, I'm definitely still picking the, the Chiefs to win this division uh, outright. Uh, I think they will again run and roll, depending on injuries, of course, but uh, they will again be the champion of the AFC West. So when we dive into the other teams, so they're uh, looking, this is a three-headed race for uh, division spot number two and we will start with the Denver Broncos John Elway's Denver Broncos he has been trying for years now to replicate his success that he had with Peyton Manning and I think he's actually almost there um, we now see 
a offense, an offense who actually can move with some teams. And I think this was kind of the notion and how they wanted to build. They knew they had to keep up with uh, Mahomes, uh, scoring potentially 30, 35, 40 points a game um, against some of these division rivals, against some of these other teams. If you want a chance to win this division, you need to beat the Chiefs. Uh, Very tough task to do. But when you look at this offense on paper now, you Broncos fans, you got a lot to be excited about. So we'll start off at the quarterback position again with Drew Locke. A um, lot of naysayers on Drew Locke coming out of college saying he wasn't ready, he wasn't polished enough, didn't have a strong enough arm. I looked at his tape also. I'm, I'm a tape junkie. I mean, I, I watch a lot of these guys on film. I need to know what's going on in their department of ability of talent. And Drew Locke, he passes the eye test every day of the week. Um, the knocks on Locke coming out of college was shoddy footwork and maybe not an elite arm. That's it. Um, is he the most nimble of foot and mobile? No, but he can do enough in the run game, but that's not what you're expecting him to do. Um, he is very intelligent. He can read defenses uh, like magic. He does actually fit that ball in the tightest of windows. Yes, his arm isn't necessarily Patrick Mahomes elite, but he, he's got more than enough to keep this offense humming and hawing all the way down the field. We saw what happened when he came back. His rookie season started off as a, with an injury. Um, he came back and he played, I believe, the last four or five games of the season in 2019. And, and look what he was able to do. I mean, every single week he was improving. He was getting more comfortable in the pocket. Yes, did he make a few mistakes? Sure. But, I mean, that's, that's rookies who have never played in the NFL. That's, that, that happens. Um, going into year two, I mean, I'm, I'm so disappointed that we are in the situation where this virus and this pandemic had happened because I would have loved to have seen what, what Locke would have been able to do with this core now after this great draft class adding the weapons they did. Um, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done in a full training camp with some preseason to get these uh, chemistry building inadequacies ironed out. Nevertheless, that didn't happen, and I am still truly a Locke believer. I think he's got all the traits to make himself a franchise quarterback. He's got that passion. He's got that edge that you're looking for, and he's clutch. I mean, from the four games, yes, the sample size is still very small, so I don't want to get maybe too ahead of myself, but I mean the potential is there, and and that's where I'm excited about, no questions about it. When you look at what they have now and what they added on this offense, maybe we'll kick it off with the running back room here, and they added Melvin Gordon. Disgruntled running back looking for a contract from the LA Chargers, did not get one, held out, and he basically packed his bags uh, before the season ended. I mean, he did finish it out with the Chargers, but I mean, it was over. He was. We all knew he was not going to return. Um, so he sat. He had some time. He sat a bit on the on the free agent market. He was uh, looking for a team. I heard the Bills were interested, and he ended up signing with uh, the Denver Broncos. I believe it was a two year, sixteen million dollars. So definitely under the uh, projected uh, space he expected to get himself. But I mean, now it's a two year deal, and he joins the crew with Philip Lindsay. So here's the thing about this group. I really am wondering how the usage is going to be distributed. Uh, Melvin Gordon is only a one-time 1,000-yard rusher in this league. He has dealt with uh, a lot of injury, a lot of time missed. I mean, this has been his biggest problem. This is why the Chargers were able to let him go and feel okay about letting him go. Um, How often are you going to pay a top dollar to a running back who spends that amount of time in the medical room? I mean, it's not good for business. So you have Philip Lindsay on the flip side, who is an undrafted rookie free agent, comes in two seasons and and breaks uh, 1,000 yards in plus in in both seasons. That is a rookie undrafted rookie free agent record, by the way. Uh, Philip Lindsay has done it all, everything they've asked him to do. So uh, for my opinion, when you look at what John Elway was thinking, it was adding another dynamic of talent to this running back room. Royce Freeman uh, hasn't really proven what they thought he could be. So so now you add a, uh, a Melvin Gordon who has the ability to run in between the tackles just like Lindsey does. They both have the ability to catch out of the backfield in the open field. So, I mean, this is kind of the thing. You want to be multidimensional as well. You, you want to confuse. So no matter which running back is going to be in the backfield, whether it's Lindsey, whether it's Gordon, you can still call the same plays. You can still get the same type of production in the pass game. 
game. And this is kind of what they want. It's sleight of hand, right? Sleight of eye. You you want to make sure that you are that versatile and multidimensional that these plays can go forward no matter who's in there. So I, I'm, I'm actually really liking this backfield a lot. I think that Lindsay still will have a major role. I think that you could see one of them um, get a thousand yards a season. I'm kind of still leaning towards Lindsay being that guy. Um, but Gordon is definitely going to have a role. There's no question about it. Um, in fantasy terms, I mean, I'm still on board with Lindsay. I think his ADP is low enough that you're, you're, you're potentially stealing flex value um, all day long. I believe it's in the ninth round. So, so keep your eye on Philip Lindsay in that department. But with Melvin Gordon, I think if he can stay healthy, um, you could see a very strong season from him as well. And then potentially Lindsay becomes that uh, quote-unquote Austin Eckler type of back, and he becomes more of the receiving back but i like it a lot diving into the wide receiver room the place where i'm excited about perhaps the most on this offense and that's because of Cortland sutton rookie jerry judy and rookie kj hamler i did extensive work on um jerry judy and kj hamler simply because i wanted to know exactly what these guys were and outside of cd lamb going to the dallas cowboys jerry judy to me was the one b to cd lamb one a i think cd lamb was the best receiver coming out of this draft class but jerry judy is definitely a very close second they're like neck and neck in my opinion i think uh what you're getting in jerry judy i mean when my when i look at my notes he just he's a fabulous route runner he's got an elite juke his, his release off the press is absolutely fantastic. He's got a great double move that's going to just floor defensive backs that don't have any agility. He locates the ball extremely well. He's got very good speed. Is his speed elite? I still question the eliteness but I still believe that it's more than enough to get past defensive backs. He has no fear over the middle. This was the most impressive thing about Judy. He will go anywhere. He's outside. He's over the middle. He has no fear whatsoever. He's got very good strength for his size. He is also more quick than fast, but he is definitely, definitely an elite prospect at the wide receiver position coming out of this draft. My comp for him, my pro comp for him was a bigger, better T.Y. Hilton, and it's it's no doubt. It, it, it's littered all over the tape and you can see it uh, no question so when you put him on this offense now with Cortland Sutton who was able to gain over I believe he had over 1100 yards last season with uh, I believe what it was three quarterbacks you had Joe Flacco you had that Anderson kid and then you had Drew Locke and he was still able to go over what 70 receptions over 1000 yards um, this is just going to open up that target share that much more. Even if the Broncos do play it conservative, now you have the ability to have one-on-one coverage all over the field. Sutton will no longer see double teams for majority of the game because then Jerry Judy will eat across the middle. He'll eat on the outside. And this is what's going to happen. Um, there's no question in my mind John Elway's thought process here was we need more weapons, we have to be more explosive, and with Jerry Judy, they just got there. So Cortland Sutton, in my opinion, gets an uptick big time in fantasy football. Jerry Judy will have a massive role and might take some time to build that chemistry. Obviously, like I'm saying, the same notion. No training camp, uh, no OTAs, no preseason. So that is going to hamper his development early on. But I think this is what you're going to see with a lot of the younger players. As we get into like week five, week six, you will start to see them pick up steam as they get their feet wet in the NFL. When it comes to KJ Hamler, I wasn't as impressed, but he still has a lot of ability that we are somewhat excited about. I don't want to write him off completely, but to me, his NFL comp, to me, he is a clone of Tavon Austin. He is undersized. He's slender. His tape shows higher speed than than he he wasn't able to test in the combine because of injury. I believe he had a hamstring injury, but his tape does show that he is very quick, very mobile. Uh, his speed is just, he's a speed mismatch wide receiver. Um, this is what he is. He is a deep threat. He's got great juke. He's very, very elusive, but the problem is, is that he's easily tackled. He, he basically, you put a finger on him, he's going down. He has drops. And in my opinion, he's going to be that slot gadget type of player in this offense, the mismatch player um, to, to keep the defense honest. I mean, that's, that's how I see um, his role being. Um, I, I could be wrong. I could be underselling his ability just a little bit. I mean, he did make good plays at Penn State. 
Um, but injuries, again, because of his size, I believe he is, what, 175, 180 pounds. So he is very slender. Um, if he takes a couple knocks from the some of those high-end uh, safeties or linebackers going across the middle, I mean, he's going to feel them. Um, and so injury risk is definitely high in, in, in my eyes. I'm, uh, that does fear me quite a bit when you talk about K.J. Hamler. But he is also another weapon that uh, this offense desperately needed, and they got it. So when you look at this receiving core, and we still haven't even talked about the depth when it comes to Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick, I think these guys uh, could also have a role. Um, they're more depth now because of uh, Judy and Hamler. But, I mean, uh, this offense ha- now at the receiver position is uh, absolutely stout um, when it comes to the tight end position I mean you got Noah Fant and then you got Albert O uh, these guys man they could actually even run this is the thing about this offense now they could actually run multi tight end sets with Albert O and Noah Fant and they can uh, stack that line which I think we might see a lot simply due to the fact that John Elway continues to refuse to build this offensive line um, if there is one question mark that we have for this offense, it, it's got to it's got to rest in the, in that uh, department. Um, so uh, uh, when it comes to running double tight end sets with Noah Fant, and Albert O, I think Albert O is the better blocker. Fant is more of the pass catching uh, tight end, but Albert O is definitely there as well. There's no question about it. They're multi multi talented and diverse that they can they can both feed in that role as well. Um, but I, I would not be surprised. So there is maybe. Maybe you do see it's a Sutton Judy double tight end set with the running back in the backfield more often than not to protect uh, Drew Locke because of the inadequacies of this offensive line. So, I mean, that's where I see this offense. I'm very much encouraged. I think they are a couple years away, um, potentially one or two, depending on if they can shore up this offensive line. But they're making all the right moves, and I like it a lot. So when we jump to the defensive side, of course, we're going to start with uh, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. These guys, I mean, Chubb is coming off his injury. So depending on how he feels, how he comes back, if he's going to be um, ready for week one to be that explosive guy, these guys are the, they're it. I mean, they're, they're the rush pass rushing uh, talents, uh, tops in this league. Um, and they will, if they're healthy, like I said, they will again uh, be nose to the grindstone, rushing the quarterback. And, and, and that's where this defense starts and stops. In my opinion, they did lose Derek Wolfe. I believe he went to the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, they traded for Mike Purcell or excuse me, uh, Mike Purcell was already on the line. They traded for uh, Jarrell Casey from the Titans um, to add that size on the defensive line. I think that's a great trade. I mean, it was for a seventh round pick. Nothing really uh, to give up for a guy of this talent. And he will make a difference on that defensive line uh, in the run game. Absolutely. No questions about it. But again, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, this is where this defense is going to be making their money. Todd Davis, he was the linebacker in the middle, and we did see him go down with a lower body injury. I, it looked like a knee. Um, I had some discussions with my colleagues, and uh, one of them is an injury expert, and he did say it did not look good. Um, so when it comes to Todd Davis, if he misses time, you will have a glaring hole at the linebacker position that uh, potentially may not be filled because there isn't a whole heck of a lot on the open market to replace this position. Nigel Bradham got scooped up by the New Orleans Saints at the middle linebacker position, and I thought that would have been a great fit for uh, the Denver Broncos. Broncos. I was shocked they didn't uh, take a flyer on him. Um, but you do have Alexander Johnson. He still is your other inside linebacker who will have to take a bigger role with Josie Jewell. Um, those will be your main linebackers um, to help stuff the run and play in coverage with uh, Chubb and Vaughn uh, rushing the passer. When it comes to the, to the secondary, I mean, they're still pretty stout. I mean, they lost Chris Harris Jr. That's a big loss, no question about it. Uh, Harris is still, in my opinion, he still has elite talents, but he is losing a step, and I think that's why Elway was willing to let him go based on the money he was demanding. In return, they brought A.J. Bouye off a trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier this offseason. They re-upped um, Justin uh, Simmons to, a, uh, I believe, no, he's, he stayed on the franchise tag, if I'm not mistaken. And, I mean, he is a talent that is up and coming as well at the free safety spot. They signed Kareem Jackson from the Texans to play the other safety position. And then you still have Brace Callahan. So, I mean, there is holes here um, that I am definitely concerned about. I think that A.J. Bouye did not 
not have his best days when Jalen Ramsey was traded um, to the LA Rams. When Bouye was the only guy there, I think that's when he had the issues. I don't believe he is the true number one lockdown corner um, that we had thought he would have been. I think he's a fantastic number two. And, and this is kind of my fear. Now he is going to be back inserted as the number one defensive back on this team. And that co- could bo- uh, pose to be a problem. Bryce Callahan, he was uh, injured last season. I don't remember if he came back, but I, I think he was lost for the season. But he is a talented guy. He comes from the Chicago Bears. He was their nickelback. He is going to be likely going to be playing the outside position um, with the lack of depth that they do have in this room. But, I mean, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Jackson is also getting there in age. So, I mean, uh, this has to be the weakness on the defensive side as well, um, along maybe with the the defensive front. But, I mean, all in all, the Denver Broncos are are moving in the right direction. I, I can't hate where they're going, um, especially offensively. I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch this season and, and get ready. I mean, the Drew Locke show is just starting, and we'll see where it goes. Moving right along to the Las Vegas Raiders. They have the new digs in Las Vegas, moved away from Oakland, and they got a new-look squad as well. So Derek Carr still is the quarterback. I'm still there. I'm still a Derek Carr guy. I know a lot of people are jumping off the ship, but he has proven to be a 30-touchdown uh, quarterback. He's shown more than enough ability that when he does have the weapons, he does have the offensive line, uh, he has the running back. I mean, he can make the plays. Um, inconsistency is his worst uh, trait. Um, he isn't clutch in the in the most opportune times, and those are his biggest flaws. If he can, if he can actually. Um, improve in that aspect Uh, this Raiders offense should be able to move right along I mean I'm still a believer I think he can get the job done so when we start discussing what John Gruden and Mike Mayock general manager Mike Mayock were able to do this offseason they hit glorious waves in the draft by getting Henry Ruggs the third from Alabama and Brian Edwards um, receiver as well I think that that those two picks were a stroke of genius I'm a definitely a Ruggs guy. I've been pushing him all off season, um, but I have been worried about the the training camp tape that I did see. It's looking like he may need a little more time to get acclimated to the pro game. He has been getting shut down by uh, defensive backs in this system already, which is very uh, fascinating because Ruggs is a is a all-time speedster. He is one of the fastest guys in the NFL now that he is in the NFL, and uh, he should be using that speed to his advantage. So when I dove into his tape, his speed is absolutely blazing. Blazing speed was the first thing, and it's noticeable all over his film. Massive deep threat. He is a massive deep threat, and that's how he should be used a lot. But we did see Coach John Gruden suggest that he will be used in the slot much more, and that is not a bad move whatsoever. Ruggs is a very good route runner. I mean, a lot of people didn't want to say that he was. They said, no, the speed is there, no press, blah, blah, blah. I think he's very good. He's, he's, he's more polished than people give him credit for. He also has a double move all over his tape. His slant route is nearly impossible to stop based on his speed. No defensive back in the slot gives him a press. He has at least a, a, a two, three-foot cushion on him all the time. And when he makes that double move and that slant goes across the middle, he literally takes it and he's gone. I mean, it's impossible to stop. He is uh, very good in that in that realm, and I think that's why Coach John Gruden also wants to put him in the slot to take advantage of that uh, ability. His speed does limit the press, which is also another positive. Nobody wants to press him up, but I think you might start to see uh, some NFL uh, defensive coordinators force the issue because of that speed. If you can jam him up and 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 Ruggs can't break the press, I think that's where, you, where you'll slow him down and limit the timing between him and Carr. He does have contested catches on his tape people said he couldn't do that he was only a deep threat he is not a one-trick pony Um, but what I do see in camp right now I really need to see a lot more to believe Uh, my comp on uh, Henry Ruggs was Deshaun Jackson I think they're very much uh, mirror images of each other and and they are going to do wonders Um, uh, he's going to do wonders excuse me in this offense when it comes to his other rookie teammate now Brian Edwards from South Carolina. He is the 
polar opposite of what you're getting from Henry Ruggs. Ruggs is the speedster. Ruggs is that type of guy. Brian Edwards is the strong physical wide receiver that you're looking for on this team. His game speed looks good, but I'm very curious to see actually how that translate into the NFL because you saw times in college where he did look a little bit sluggish. He is fabulous at boxing out defensive backs. He has good hands, but he also does has has drops. I mean, that was a concern that I noticed. His balance is very good. He's got very good leaping ability, but he does rely way too much on his strength um, to get open, to get his release, and his routes definitely need improvement. His NFL comp for me was Braylon Edwards. So, I mean, uh, very high regard guard for me personally i think these guys could be a very very good tandem in the nfl uh so long as they can build the chemistry with their quarterback when it comes to the running back position we have josh jacobs one guy we are over the moon about this season in 2020 i am not the biggest alabama running back supporter everyone knows this that knows my work I mean, you have the the few that have been uh, great NFL runners going all the way back to Sean Alexander. You got the Mark Ingram. Um, you have the Derrick Henry. And, and now you have Josh Jacobs. I admittedly had apologized to everyone who I offended because I said I wasn't uh, sold on Josh Jacobs. This year, it's a different story. I I was able to see what he was he was uh, able to do in the NFL in his rookie season, and I mean he he impressed me uh, uh, over and over and over again. the The amount of work that he took, the amount of punishment he endured, and he still was able to muster such good numbers while missing, I believe, what two or three contests because of the overwork for that rookie. This season is that much better. Now you have a receiving core that can stretch the field. You have possession receivers that you can utilize. This will only help you in the run game. Josh Jacobs is probably volume uh, safe as they come. Uh, when it, especially when it comes to fantasy football. If you're looking for running backs with, with high volume, Josh Jacobs is definitely going to be 250 carries, uh, no questions about it. The, the, the one thing that makes me extremely excited about Jacobs going into 2020 is the fact that they will have to utilize him more in the pass game. Coach John Gruden also said that he would uh, amp up his, his ability in the pass game where he could see potentially 60 targets, and that's just music to my ears for fantasy football. He can catch the ball too. I mean, he's no slouch in the pass game. Um, this isn't something that they're going to just try to force the issue upon. Uh, Jacobs is definitely reliable enough that he will be able to do that. The one question mark is this other rookie, Lynn Bowden Jr. Keep your eye on this guy. 110% fantasy football. If you're just a fan of football, keep your eye on Lynn Bowden Jr. So this guy is a wide receiver conversion into a running back. He is one guy that I really undervalued myself and I will admit so I dove back in I had to go back and and there's not a whole heck of a lot of tape on the kid um, outside of the two seasons that he did play but when he did play wide receiver it was noticeable that he had enough ability to play the position very well there's toe drag swag all over his film he contested catches were there his hands are very good um, but then in his in his final season in college the coaching staff knew that they didn't have enough at the running back position um, where they chose to say, let's switch you over at Kentucky. Let's switch you over and play the running back position. This is where he excelled. He had a, get this, he had 185 targets for over 1400 yards. And I believe it was 13 touchdowns scored for the first time playing at the running back position for full time. That is absolutely astronomically insane. It was unbelievable what he was able to accomplish. And when you look at his film, as the running back, he has 4.39 speed on the 40. He is blazing fast. His hands are great. So now that you have Josh Jacobs in the backfield, going to be the primary source, even if he does dip, I believe he was, what, 270 carries, something like that last season. Even if he does dip down to 250 carries and, and Lynn Bowden comes in as that uh, lightning to the thunder, um, type of uh, metaphor. I mean, this is this is what you're going to see. Um, Lynn Bowden Jr. is going to be the guy by the time you hit halfway, the halfway point of the season, he will be your second back in this in this offense. No question about it. He is one guy to keep your eye on uh, full force. He is he's going to be a very, very exciting player to watch. 
As for the defensive side, I mean, they are building very strong. I mean, uh, Clellan Farrell, I always get his name wrong. Clellan Farrell, I mean, he hasn't materialized. He came over from Clemson. That was one of Mike Mayock's first, I believe that was his first draft pick uh, in the first round last season. Um, He hasn't necessarily materialized just yet, but I mean, he's still young. He's still learned the game, so I'll cut him some slack. You have Maurice Hurst, you have Malik Collins, and you have Max Crosby. This defensive front this front four is actually very impressive. You have Carl Nassib waiting in the wings. You have Jonathan Haskin, Haddon Hankins uh, as your depth piece. Um, I can't hate this this front four whatsoever. I think they're going to do a lot of damage. I like uh, Max Crosby a lot. I think he's got underrated talent that people don't speak of, and he could potentially be uh, one of the top uh, sack getters on this club once again. When it comes to the linebacking core, this is where Mike Mayock went. Went shopping this offseason in the free agent market, and he uh, he did a great job. I can't say anything bad about it. Did he overpay? Uh, we can definitely say yes, he overpaid at the position. But, I mean, that's what you have to do in the free agent market. But he brought over uh, Corey Littleton from the L.A. Rams and Nick I cannot pronounce his name, Kawatoski um, from the Chicago Bears. This this is great signings for the linebacker position because you had the biggest holes were at this position. And now when you have Corey Littleton, who has become a tackling machine, this guy is all over the field. The Rams knew that he outpriced his way out of town, out of from the Rams. And, and this is going to be a match, I think, that is going to be very strong for this defense, along with, uh, I'll just call him Nick Kay. Um, they will form a very sound defense. Uh, linebacking core um, to, to stop the run, to help in the pass game. Corey Littleton is very good in both departments, so I think it's going to be very, very nice. When it comes to the secondary, I'm still a little bit up and down about how I feel about this secondary. I mean, you did bring over a Demarius Randall from the Cleveland Browns. You still have Jonathan Abram. I'm a big Abram guy. I think he's got talent for days. Um, they did bring in Prince of Mukamara. I think he's kind of on the back nine in his career. I think uh, uh, the sun is about to set. And then you brought in LaMarcus Joyner to be the nickelback from the Rams. Again, another signing that I'm not overly excited about. You do have this kid, Damian Arnett, who came over uh, from the NFL draft from Ohio State. This guy's got talent. I like this guy a lot. If you go back and you look at some of the highlights from camp, Arnett is the guy who actually has been locking down Henry Ruggs, which is uh, uh, very, very impressive. Um, For a guy who has uh, Ruggs' sub 4-4-40 speed, and, and Arnett was, was sitting with him step for step, side for side. Um, great technique. Um, it, it's, it's all over the tape on that one as well. I mean, the technique was phenomenal. Turned his head, turned his hips and, and shoulders, and was able to pick off the ball. So, I mean, I think Arnett actually is going to steal one of these positions when it comes to week one. Potentially, we see uh, Trayvon Mill, uh, Mullen uh, get get supplanted when uh, Arnett takes over his job. But I think that's that's kind of where you see it. I think they're a work in progress. I think this is the best way to talk about the Oakland or the excuse me the Las Vegas Raiders. They are a work in progress. They are a young building team. I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden are doing uh, very well in their build. I think they have a lot. Not necessarily a long way to go, um, but I think that they are building definitely in the right direction, um, which is positives for Vegas. Absolutely. So, I mean, to close it off, last but not least, we have the L.A. Chargers. And I've been extremely vocal on this club this offseason simply because no more Phillip Rivers and Tyrod Taylor is now your starting quarterback. Okay, so here's the thing. I am not a Tyrod Taylor hater. Okay, I think Tyrod does bring a very sound dynamic to any football team. I mean, you guys know. I mean, I'm a Bills fan. I saw three years of Tyrod Taylor. I saw every single game. Um, I watched his ability. I watched his play. I watched his talent. I evaluated it all as an analyst. I took all the fandom out of it. I'm taking the fandom out of it right now. As a fantasy football, as a football analyst, Um, Tyrod Taylor has great limitations. I mean, that's the only way we can cut it. He is a game manager at best. 
Um, he he does wondrous things with his legs. He can take off and make plays, no question about it. And that's where Tyrod is going to add a very different dynamic into this Chargers offense that they had with Phillip Rivers. Now you can install the RPOs. You can install the, the read option. I mean, this is what you want. I mean, you want to be – it's a copycat league. Everyone wants to be like the, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson where you're, you're running the read option of the RPOs all day long. Um, do I believe it's going to work? I have my doubts only because Tyrod Taylor, unless something has changed. Okay. I mean, this is, this is the caveat. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but the one thing, unless Tyrod has changed his game, he is too afraid to make the mistake. And this is his hindrance. If he goes out and he tries to play, uh, I don't want to say carelessly. I want to say in between careless and safe. That If he's playing at that level, um, he still tends to make mistakes. What Tyrod cannot do, he cannot throw over the middle uh, mid-range. That's where he struggles the most. In between the line, middle linebacker who's dropping back into coverage and the safety who's creeping. This is where he struggles on those crossing mid-range routes. He also struggles to the sideline outs. I believe it was to the right. Uh, it could have been to the left. I can't remember exactly which one now. But he does struggle with those outs. Um, um, that's that's why he was only able to support one 1,000-yard wide receiver in Buffalo. I mean, that was Sammy Watkins and everyone else basically took a nap. I mean, I mean that's what it was. Could we see a ground-and-pound squad here Um because you're trying to protect uh, Tyrod, I, I don't see it. Do I believe Austin Eckler is the 250 carrying back? I mean, that's to be seen as well. He's never done it. He had, what, 130 carries last season? I mean, he had a great year, but, I mean, that was uh, majority of it was in the past game. Um, do I feel comfortable enough to believe that Tyrod Taylor can support all of these weapons on this offense, that will be a no. Tyrod Taylor has uh, thrown for what? Just over 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns was his best NFL season in three years as the starter for the Buffalo Bills. Yes, I get it. We have the connection with Anthony Lynn coming from the Bills as well. He did coach up that team when Rex Ryan was uh, fired. Um, but I mean... We've seen it. We've seen it over and over again. What does Tyrod Taylor do very well? Tyrod Taylor is surely one of the better deep passers with accuracy in the NFL. He will drop that in a breadbasket on the dime to his wide receivers, anything over 40 yards. No question about it. I've seen it more than once, and he's very capable at doing it. Um, so who suffers here the most? I mean, Keenan Allen is your guy. He is your PPR guy that Philip Rivers fed over and over and over again. Philip Rivers fed the running back position. I mean, this was Philip Rivers' pedigree. Um, when it comes to Tyrod Taylor, I really question if Keenan Allen is going to see the similar type of productivity. Could we see another under 1,000-yard season for Keenan Allen? I think we definitely could if um, Tyrod is your 16-week starting quarter excuse me, quarterback. Um, when it comes to Hunter Henry, I mean, again, here's the thing. It's the, it's the short in route passes um, that, that are going to suffer here. I mean, uh, Mike Williams is probably in my eyes, one of the guys that could actually elevate most from having Tyrod Taylor on this team as the starting quarterback. If you have Mike Williams going deep more often than not, I think that could be your 1,000-yard receiver. Um, when it comes to the running backs, I mean, Austin Eckler, a lot of people are over the moon on Eckler saying that he is going to be um, the full three-down back. I have my questions. If I'm wrong on Eckler, I'm wrong. Um, um, but I'm definitely cautiously optimistic i like eckler's game i think he's got a lot of talent but i'm cautiously optimistic and i'm i'm almost uh, uh telling all of my fantasy football players kind of stay away from this offense the only caveat i see also sorry before i jump into that point um is the offensive line so tyrod taylor is he has tendencies to get happy feet. So if his offensive line, which we have seen on, on paper as well, is not the best. I mean, yes, they have Mike Pouncey. I get it. Um, they have Brian Balaga, but, I mean, he's got injuries for days also. Um, 
I really wonder how. I mean, they did pick up that Turner kid from Carolina. So, yes, I mean, okay, I can't necessarily say that this offensive line is going to be worse off than it was last year. It is a better offensive line on paper. Um, if Balaga can stay healthy, but, I mean, he's he's known to be having massive trips to the medical room when he was in, in Green Bay, and that was the major problem for them as well. So uh, let's just say that this offensive line is 50% better. That's great. Um, will it help Tyrod Taylor? Sure, but he's got the happy feet, and when when he's going to see the play break down, we've seen it more than once that Tyrod just ends up taking off and going. Uh, we don't see a lot of drop passes to the running back position. We may see a big regression for that for Austin Eckler. Perhaps we do see Anthony Lynn take the take the nod of saying that he's going to do a one-two punch with Austin Eckler and rookie Joshua Kelly. Kelly's another guy to keep your eye on. He's got a lot of skill. The former uh, UCLA Bruin, he's got a lot of skill. Um, um, but this offense definitely scares me. I don't think Tyrod Taylor can support it all. I think it's going to be a very big problem. But where I do see the change where my opinion does alter huge is when Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback that they drafted from Oregon, I, Oregon State, I believe, uh, no, Oregon, excuse me, the, the Oregon Ducks, and uh, this is where they need to go. I mean, this is exactly where they need to go. Tyra Taylor should be the stopgap. Tyra Taylor should allow Herbert to understand the playbook, to play um, catch up because we didn't have that off season. And once he learns the game, I think that's when Herbert should come in around the week four, week five, week six mark. I think that's where we see Herbert because Tyrod's just going to struggle. I mean, it could happen earlier. We saw what happened when Baker uh, took over for Tyrod when he went down with injury in Cleveland. And we saw how disastrous that went. I mean, when Tyrod played the first game. Um, so this is a this is a real fear that people need to understand. Is Tyrod bad? No. Is he great? He's far off from great. Um, and Justin Herbert would change my absolute opinion on this entire offense. I think with Herbert behind center, this offense becomes back to what they were um, with Phillip Rivers behind behind center. When it comes to the defensive side, they did add a lot of names. I believe uh, Melvin Ingram News uh, has been saying that he's been sitting out uh, because he's looking for a new contract. I don't know if that was resolved yet. I haven't seen any news reports of uh, the Chargers offering up big money or um, Ingram actually coming back and, and practicing at this point. But when it comes to the defensive line, we have Joey Bosa. They did uh, sign uh, Linval Joseph from the Minnesota Vikings. That instantly helps this defense because because they struggled immensely stopping the run. Joseph is still very talented. He was a cap casualty in uh, Minnesota. They could no longer pay the bills um, due to cap constraints. You have Justin Jones as defensive tackle. I mean, you have some depth, but I'm not overly excited about this defensive line. That was a place where I was hoping they would actually add more to. I mean, but hey, you can't you can't go wrong with adding Joseph. Um, with it was a massive need, so I, I like that part a lot. Uh, when it comes to the linebacking core, like I said, uh, Melvin Ingram is that defensive end linebacker. He is if he sits out, I mean, he's going to be desperately missed. I think he'll still play. I think he's just using uh, this time right now to push the envelope to say he wants that new contract because um, he's not happy with what he's getting paid at this point for the production he has put up. When it comes to the linebacker position, they drafted Kenneth Murray, um, this rookie from Oklahoma. I I this was this was stroke genius i was hoping from a, a fan perspective that the buffalo bills would have picked up kenneth murray because he's just that talented he's six foot two 241 pounds he's very good i mean four five three speed um isn't indicative of what you see on tape he was all big 12 i mean this guy first team all big 12 he is he is one of these guys you will notice week in week out on the field he is a quarterback on the defense they still have this uh, denzel perryman i mean but Again, he has the issues with injuries, which is why the Chargers knew they needed to add another weapon like Murray um, to this uh, to this linebacker room. When it comes to potentially the biggest strength on this defense, I think we have to say that it is this secondary. You also have Derwin James, my guy. I love Derwin James. I think he is the next great um, safety in this league. We did miss some of it because of injury, but when we saw him come back, we we all were, were witness to the magic that this guy can do. He is just a sideshow 
unbelievable talent. He can play in run support. He can play in coverage. He can literally do it all. I am a huge supporter of Derwin James. I think he's great, and I think they stole him back when they did in the draft. They did sign Chris Harris Jr. this offseason from the division rival Denver Broncos. This was a stroke of genius. I mean, you know that you have some inadequacy on your front four, on your front seven. So what did uh, the Chargers do here? They ramped up their defensive secondary, and now they got Chris Harris Jr. playing with Derwin James, and not to forget Casey Hayward. I mean, these guys are loaded at the at the defensive back position. You have Rashawn Jenkins, who also is the other safety who can play, um, and then you have Desmond King, who is kind of your rotational uh, secondary nickelback. He can play safety as well. Um, they're just loaded, like I said. You still have Nazar Adderley. He has talent at the safety position, so if you do miss a step and you need to add more, you have the depth at the at the defensive back position in the defensive back room, but but Chris uh, Chris Harris and and Casey Hayward they are going to be a lockdown tandem, and and this is potentially where you see Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram get those coverage sacks, and I think this is kind of the notion and the mantra which way the the LA Chargers want to go. Um, I don't hate it whatsoever. It's a passing league. The quarterbacks need to get the ball out of their hands to their receivers. And when you're having lockdown coverage along with uh, great pass rush because of that coverage, I think uh, this is where the Chargers will will make their money as well on the defensive side of the ball. They could also be a liability in the run game again because the defensive front isn't as stout as I would have liked to have seen. But, I mean, improvements have been made. So, in my opinion, if healthy – this defense should be head and shoulders better than what they were a season ago. And I was very high on them last year. Injuries just derailed the whole thing. Um, so, I mean, that's that's my take on the Chargers. Everything is going to be resting on Tyrod Taylor um, when it comes to offensive productivity. And I think that you literally will see a much better unit once Justin Herbert is installed as the starting quarterback because we have seen um, what Tyrod Taylor can do. Nevertheless, I mean, that is the AFC West. We will be jumping into the NFC on next on the next shows. We will try to get them all done before. We will get them all done before the season uh, begins. We uh, NFL season starts, I believe, on September 10th. It's a Thursday night football game, and and hopefully COVID doesn't ruin it. I mean, we're, we're almost there. We've been waiting a long time. I'm getting really excited. I hope you guys are too. I know fantasy football draft season is going to be underway here in a couple weeks. I'm pumped up. I hope you guys are. Of course, we have the ADF playbook still available on Amazon.com, wherever you get your wherever you get your Amazon shopping from. We are on all locations. Go ahead, check out the ADF playbook. It is there. It's a fabulous, almost 100 and 129 pages of fantasy football glory statistics, uh, draft strategy. We have your uh, draft cheat sheets for every player, 300 plus player and defense team defense evaluations, and always uh, definitely check me out all season long. I will have your start sit and your waiver wire and, of course, your your point spread pick. So, I mean, lots of good stuff coming this season as always. But we will, we're we uh, still not done with the team evaluations. We will get them done uh, with the NFC starting. Hopefully we will get some guests. I'm trying to get some lined up as well to have some more dialogue. But on that note, that is the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. To all the listeners, we truly appreciate you. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.